You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift, and with me tonight is our legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Dude, I am loving life uh, after 5 p.m. It's pretty after, great. After f- when hold I'm up. not at work, life <laughs> is great. My life before five, terrible. After five, yeah, pretty, great. pretty. But after five, I'm living it up. No, uh, yeah. T- today was great. Uh, I so like over the weekend, I got to spend a lot of time with my awesome girlfriend. I did barely play any uh, LOR because we were just hanging out and doing a lot of cool activities. And then this week, uh, the new there's a new climbing gym that just opened that like is a extension of the one that we go to. Um, so our membership counts for both places. So me and Gibbles and Bits, my girlfriend, and Gibbles and Bits' fiance and and Gibby's roommate. Yeah, I think that was all of us. We all went today for the first time to check out the new place. It is so freaking cool. It's I mean, it's just I mean, first off, if you have bouldered or climbed at all, like you know, sometimes it's just fun to have a new gym to go to because that means you've got all these new routes that you haven't done before. Um, but just besides that, like the new facility is just so just so sparkly new and clean and dope um and we haven't even touched we all we did was boulder we haven't even touched like the lead climbing or um they've got like 56 foot high walls uh and they've got like auto belay systems and stuff like that it's just oh it's so cool like i i just like it's kind of like when you get a new expansion and you're like, oh my gosh, all the possibilities. It's like that, but for working out. So pretty cool. <laughs> it's it's like receiving new cards, but it is working out instead. <laughs> working out. All new lines yeah. that you can climb and everything. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure that's I'm sure that's fantastic. Really, nothing that exciting in my life. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess I haven't even thought about what I actually did this week. I did actually play a decent amount of LOR this week because we'll talk about this in a minute in like uh, in our opening banter. Um, but we each found a deck and I found a deck that I am really thoroughly enjoying. So um, I have played a decent amount of LOR this week. Uh, and I like I'm just trying to keep track. My weeks are blurring together, man. It's like 20. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if like when 2020 is over, if it's actually 2025 next, uh, because it seems like 2020 has gone that long. It also seems like it's been a blur. And we went from like March to December and I haven't had any time in between those two things. Things. Um, all, all I'll say this is I got like legitimately the cutest picture of my daughter um, today or this week that I think I have ever gotten. So there, that's that. That's the highlight as a family man, as a for all of you out there that are gamers and also dads. You know, sometimes you gotta you gotta celebrate you gotta celebrate your your life as a dad. Um, and so, yeah, that, that I guess that's the most exciting thing that happened this week. Uh, but when I logged on, I used the new spectate mode today. 
the new spectate Ooh, mode. Yeah, you did. Yeah. It was all shiny and pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got spectate mode last week. You can spectate people now who are doing normal matches, not ranked matches. The normal matches, I think labs and friendly matches, you can now spectate, which does give you the opportunity um, to, to like spectate friends. So I got to spectate DBN playing his brand new shiny undefeated deck. Uh, uh, technically, no, it has lost one game. Nearly undefeated deck. You've That's heard right. it here, guys. 70% win rate. 75% right. win rate anywhere on the ladder, no matter where you are, this is the deck 75% oh, most busted no. deck in LOR yet. Nope. Um, DBN, what have you been, because I'm interested, because I kind of want to spend our opening banter talking about these two decks, because I did nothing interesting this week mm-hmm. um, other than work and things. So uh, tell us about this deck you, you came up with. Okay. Uh yeah, so after spending last week complaining and complaining and complaining, not really. I mean, I wasn't angry or anything, but I was just complaining about uh, how I feel like the Crimson package is just so bad and Vlad's buff isn't enough and all this stuff. I decided to actually put my money where my mouth is and, and actually mess with it. Actually mm-hmm. play with him to see if you're wrong. Yeah, and here's the thing. it, it is. I'm not wrong. But I do have a really fun deck that uses Vlad. He's still um, bad, though. Yeah, no, Vlad is still not good enough to be competitive top tier wise. Um, and the Crimson package is still really bad. Um, but it's there are pieces that are compelling enough to be played. But they're still like the biggest thing is that they're still gaping holes in the. Um, you know, in the kit, but well, either way, almost a year now without any new cards for the Crimson package. I mean, yeah, the, well, the, the game was tech- in closed beta a year ago and the cards that are out are the ones that were out. Right. Yeah. And technically, well, Imperial Demolitionist helps with that. Um, sure. Not, inadvert- not like Crimson, indirectly. It is really good with Crimson. The Crimson right, package. Right. Absolutely. Um, and although I didn't end up playing it because uh, so this deck and let me I'm going to go ahead and pull it up. Um, I call it uh, what did I call it? Uh, blood healing for my or the healing blood, and I, that's for my Bloodborne fans out there. Um, oh yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds yeah, like the you just blood. got done watching uh, what's that old vampire show on HBO? Yeah, well that's basically True it. I blood. mean, you know, you just got done yeah. watching tr- a season of True no, Blood. No, I just was playing uh, uh, Bloodborne. Uh, I've played that that game like three times all the way through. I've, I've talked about it before. Great game. Anyways, uh, but that's what it. it reminded me of because it's vlad and soraka and i've seen some people i've heard of people messing with this combination but i have never run into it and i haven't messed with it so this is just i just built it with like fresh fresh eyes like i i like to when i approach deck building i do it one of two ways they either take a concept and i tweak it uh or i like to approach it with completely fresh eyes and like not be influenced by what other people are trying because then i'm not quite as uh ambitious or adventurous you know um, but, um, I kind of ended up with some weird cards in here, but oddly, like it seems to be working. I mean, you actually spectated one of the matches. Um, and, uh, yeah, it seems like idea, it worked just fine. Yeah. The simple idea is that like, it's a mid range deck, even though a lot of the crimson stuff wants to play aggro, but because the crimson stuff wants to play aggro, you can't play that. Well, you sh- I'm not going to play it as an aggro deck because there's so much better aggro decks. Like, makes sense. And you're a hipster and you can't play what it's trying to be. 
Well, I would play what it's trying to be if it was any good at what it was trying to be. <laughs> but it's terrible. <laughs> but it's but it's not. Yeah, it's bad. Um, so I'm playing Crimson Disciple and Crimson Curator, but really more because they have at least average stat distribution um, on the back end. Uh, you know, so like a two three for two, that's good. A three three for three with the ability to generate, albeit not great cards, but still generating some cards. Um, I didn't play any of the other Crimson stuff, so I'm not playing the Awakener, and I'm not playing the uh, Aristocrat, um, and I'm not playing Transfusions, and I'm not playing the Demolitionist. But I am playing Vlad, uh, and the idea here is that uh, through a combination of all of the different cheap uh, spells and stuff that heal or give permanent um, stat improvements, we're going to be able to uh, win off of a buffed-up uh, creature that we can give overwhelm to with Zenith Blade, namely Star Shepherd, actually is kind of been a a win condition. Star but Shepherd enough- is like the one mana zero three that when it heals it gets plus two attack, or when something else heals, right? It gets. Is that yeah. what that is? Mm-hmm. Star Shepherd. When anything, sure. whenever you heal a damaged ally, grant me plus two. So that means that works for when you guiding touch something, when you star spring something, or when Vlad heals himself off of regeneration. Um that counts as well. So Star Shepherd can usually get pretty big, and because I'm running uh, three Sunblessed Vigors, two Zenith Blades, and two Astral Projections, I can usually get Star Shepherd's defense up high enough so that it's not at threat uh, of getting like nuked by a you know Get Excited or a couple of Mystic Shots or whatever. Um, additionally, because you've got um, the Guiding Touches, but you also have like... Uh, I'm running Broadback Protectors, which have been... MVPs not only because they heal your face a little bit and they you know combo into Soraka really well, but they also feed Vlad getting leveled up. This deck doesn't run like it's not super aggro-y. So I've seen some Vlad decks that try to go with like Bilgewater and play all those cheap guys that damage themselves. But because um you're not really able to like heal them very much, uh, because you don't have the healing from Targon. And Noxa certainly doesn't have any healing. Those guys just keep hurting themselves and then are not that good. So you get Vlad leveled up really fast, but then you can't do anything long-term with Vlad. Vlad in this build is a attrition engine. It's basically enabling you to stay afloat against other faster decks until eventually you can build a big enough creature through either uh, like Star Shepherd um, or maybe Vlad himself if you can get a Zenith Blade on him. Or what I have put in the deck and never drawn, uh, but I think it'll be good. <laughs> Hear me out. Maybe I'm just being absolutely ridiculous, but in pr- in theory, I think it could be good. In practice, I've never drawn it. My two battering rams. Which is, for those of you who are like, what? That's not a card in LOR. Battering wow. ram is the rare card. It's a 0-12 with overwhelm, and every time you attack with it, it gets plus four attack. That that attack doesn't go away at the end of turn. So you attack with it once, it's plus four. You attack with it again, it's plus, you know, it's at 8-12 or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, it can get whittled down in life. But Unless you could give it regeneration, which would be super busted. But Yeah. Well, and so my... My theory here, and I am still toying with this list. I have like two brothers bond in here, which actually have been really, really good. Um, Something one to trick a the games. trades with. It would be really and, helpful in in that in that crimson package. You need to trick right. stuff. And and the buff lasts, which normally for aggro Noxus like don't matter because the things die in trades. But because they last on high defensive bodies like Soraka, 
uh, or broadback protector, just like you would uh, with like, say like Braum, like mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. gets so much more value because you're putting it on something that's going to live for three or even four turns. Um, and you can heal them and support them and continue buffing their defenses. So brothers bond can sometimes, if you could play it on like turn three or four, it, the buffs could even last the rest of the game. I mean, that's so much value. Um, so, but I like, I haven't like, for instance, I've gone back and forth on trying Noxian fervor in this, right? Obviously it's a little bit of burst. Obviously it's a little bit of removal. That's pretty nice. Um, but you know, you need to have something that you're willing to deal three damage to. And I, I, even though there's a like marginal healing in this deck, like I've got star Springs and Soraka in it, like the things that damage, there's like not as many things that damage as you might suspect with the Vlad deck. You're just going off, you're operating off the assumption that your opponents are going to be blocking your things. And with all of your trade tricking, you're going to live through them. And that's where you're going to get things da- getting damaged. And that's where you're going to need to heal them. So um, the deck's pretty interesting. There's a lot of fine tuning. Like right now, I'm running double scorched earths as uh, the only deck that I've lost to so far in four games. I've beaten Pirate Agra. I've beaten TF Swain. I beat one other thing. I really can't remember right now what it was. The only thing I lost to actually was Brom Tarek because I just didn't have any way in the entire deck to kill Brom. There just wasn't anything in the whole deck that could actually kill Brom. Yeah, um, that, that would be bad. You would also I, struggle to kill Trundle, I would think, as well. Then. Right. Um, and so I put Scorched Earth in as a way to remove very hard to remove threats, and it doubles as landmark removal against a rival Star Spring deck. Because this Star Spring, uh, it might get big enough to win, but that would take a longer time than like a Soraka uh, TK list. Sure, that's so. not really why you have it in there, right? Where, where no, it's, it's like it, it's a win con for other things. This is sort of value generation for your deck. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'm still toying with it. There's a lot of options, and there's a notable lack of uh, good creature options in the early slots to the point where, like, before this episode, I was sitting there like, what do I put in this two-mana? Like, I've got Crimson Disciples, and what else at two? I want another two-drop, and I end up going with Solari Shield Bear, which isn't a terrible idea, but there's just nothing else that really capitalizes uh, off the self-damaging stuff or the healing stuff. Uh, so, yep. That's it. I've talked about it for a while. I think it's really cool, <laughs> and I think there's just a lot of things to like about this play style, even though it's not, like, top tier. Gibbles and Bits and Chat just said it's a hipster healing deck. It, it it heals, but it's not the way it's supposed to be used. Which That's is, right. Which is DBN <laughs> style. So, okay, so I played a deck this week that I'm... This is the deck that I've been... I'm more excited about this deck, I think, actually, than the Shadow Isles aggro deck that I built. Um, and I mm-hmm. love the Shadow Isles aggro deck. I played it for, like, the end of last season. I played it into Plat this season. Um, I'm in the middle of Plat right now, and I've been messing around with this deck, and I've actually been having a positive win rate with it. It's not it's not real positive, right? Like I'm probably at like a 52, 53 percent win rate, and that's probably about it. But I um, so I was messing around with um, uh, I, I wanted to mess around with Ezreal because we talked about Ezreal last week, and I said, you know, he's really intriguing to me. I played Ezreal Jinx, didn't have a lot of success. I decided I was like, you know what, Ezreal will level up, and now before it was like, okay, you want damaging spells so you can go face, or you want instant burst spells so you can go face and now it's like well what you really want is burst spells so that you can target your opponent's creatures and i was like well what targets your opponent's creatures that are burst well 
frost frost spells too. So this deck is called Frost Shock, which actually is a, a sort of harkening back to um, it harkens back to uh, World of Warcraft because the shaman had a spell called Frost Shock in, in World of Warcraft, and it was a one mana spell uh, that like shackled something in in Hearthstone as well. So this deck is an Ezreal Ash deck, but the really interesting part is you're playing, so you're playing a lot of the typical stuff, you know, Thermogenic Beam, Brittle Steels, Omen Hawks, Avarice and Sentries, the Starlight Seers are the MVP of this deck because you're playing so many spells, and Starlight Seer along with Ezreal is really, really strong, and I absolutely love it. Um, you're running Troll Chant in order to keep alive, which I think was a suggestion from Matrim, which was really helpful. You know, Flash Freeze, a Static Chant. Shock, um, Battling Berg, I bet two in here i did have three um or burged um i have two in here now um because they draw ash straight from your deck because it's the only thing with five or more attack unless you've buffed something enough but the the thing that i like about this deck the most is it runs two copying of how two copies of howling abyss um and i'll be quick because you can kind of understand how this deck wins it wins through nickel and diming people through ezreal if you level up ezreal you can nickel and dime people it wins through combo with ash so if you're against a deck sometimes you can combo frost shock the entire board you know get rid of frostbite the entire board win with an ash play and then it can also win an attrition war because of howling abyss i actually won a uh, a feel the rush deck uh against a feel the rush deck today that actually got trundle trindamir out on like turn seven i think um and i won the game because i got howling abyss down on the same turn and just slowly you know removed with thermogenic beam um just controlled the board with frostbites um until i got you know enough value out of howling abyss i had like there's nothing better than getting level two sejuani out of howling abyss in an ezreal deck by the way it's absolutely insane because you have now leveled up sejuani with a leveled up ash and a leveled up ezreal on the board which does has happened to me like twice and it's yeah. just so crazy because you just kill the whole board with Ezreal and it just it's so it's so so strong um so the Howling Abyss has won me several games against sort of like longer control matchups um and then and then you know the Ezreal stuff has won me some games as well it's been a really 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 fun deck um to play and something that I've I've really enjoyed. So uh, if you're wanting to check it out, I do have it in the Discord, and I'll post it, uh, this deck and the deck that DBN's talking about, in the show notes. Um, but let's go ahead and take a moment and jump over to uh, our conversation, our short turpic, short turpic, a short topic, short topic, short topic, short short topic conversation. Time for the money makers. Hey guys, Future Mark here. I realized at the end of the episode that I actually forgot to say anything about our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast, and we did have two new ones this week, so I wanted to make sure that I jumped in here before the short topic and just said thank you. So Etrex and Mitchell P, thank you so much. You guys are our newest supporters um, of this last week. Thank you so much. Once again, guys, every month we give away something to our patrons, and this upcoming month at the end of November, we're going to be giving away a legends cast pint glass um and so i'm really excited about that they're ordered and should be coming in the mail uh sometime the week of thanksgiving and so we're super pumped about that about getting those in and beginning to give those away so once again a thank you to etrex and mitchell p if you want to become a supporter of the show and get in that drawing each month to win something as one of our supporters head over to patreon.com legendscast even if you pledge a dollar a month it's 25 cents 
comments in episode. It goes a long way and we deeply appreciate it and it supports us. So thank you so much for all that you do. We really appreciate it. Uh, we really appreciate our patrons. You guys make this happen. Okay, now it's legitimately time to get back to the show and jump into our short topic for this week. Showtime! Okay, guys, so tonight our shirt terpic is going to be, uh, we're going to take a look. I thought it would be interesting to take a quick look at landmarks, actually, um, only only because, uh, like, specifically, we've each played a deck with a landmark in it today, and it wasn't maybe the traditional way that the landmark has been played, um, and so we're sort of exploring it. I figured we're, like, what, a month out from when landmarks dropped, maybe a little bit more than that at this point. Um, I figured it might be a really good time to just take a quick look and rate, or, you know, there's, what, one, two, three, four, six landmarks. We kind of said that they were going to be garbage in the beginning. I'll admit a couple of them have kind of surprised me in sort of the niche situations that they've been put in. Um, so I thought maybe we would just take a couple of minutes and talk about about is there a landmark that surprised you or disappointed you dbn um mm, surprised or disappointed interesting um i guess yeah disappointed would be the nox Cryer arena but that doesn't surprise me that i'm disappointed i just thought there'd be a way to play it y you know yeah uh-huh yeah um so that yeah, I guess that's where I land on that. I think in terms of um I feel really good about my call on Starspring because I straight up you was were like right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean I was really right. <laughs> uh I think I guess you know what the one I'm surprised by in a good way is Howling Abyss. I am that that I did not yeah. read as being a even a playable card. Um, much less what it is, and you guess I just figured, and I, you know, in a way, I'm still right on this front, which is just like, why don't people just play War Mothers? And War Mothers is a good deck. Feel the rush in many ways too. Um, and so I, I'm not strictly wrong, but it, it, to be fair, though, I, I definitely did. I didn't think it would be playable, and it's definitely it's definitely playable, especially you know? in the deck that I'm playing it in. It's one. 100% playable. 100%? 100%. It's really strong in that deck. I'm not going to lie. I, so I think the thing that has surprised me more outside of this is that the landmark removal isn't as... There's there's a couple of times when my landmark has been removed, but it hasn't been as bad of a situation as I thought it was going to be often. And there are a lot of times in which... I've played a lot of landmarks. Like I, I haven't played all of them, but I've played a lot of the Howling Abyss and a lot of Vaults. Um, and I played a, like probably a shadow outside of my shadow owls deck. It's been all vaults mm -hmm. in howling abyss. Those are the only, like the only other two decks I've played have been those two. So I, I don't think that I've been, um, disappointed by any of them. Cause I, I don't think I had very high expectations for basically any of them. If anything, I was a little disappointed at how good star spring actually was. Um, I, the one that I'm most surprised about is the university of Piltover. Um, that is the one that has got me 
uh, like surprised the most for sure because the University of Piltover only really has one viable deck and you probably only run a single copy. It's Discard Jinx Draven because this does draw a card every turn and it does automatically level up Jinx. And so often that deck discards everything. Then you drop this, you create three random cards and then every turn you draw two if you have a leveled up Jinx on board and then Jinx keeps automatically producing a rocket for you if you can't get rid of that Jinx with University up because it can't, you know, it's discarding your entire hand, adding three new cards, and then drawing two with leveled up Jinx on the board. Um, I have found that the University of Piltover, I've played against it twice in the league, um, and in both situations, I was honestly really surprised at how strong and how much fuel the University of Piltover gave that one deck. Now, I'm not saying University of Piltover is a good card in general, but in that one deck, um, I was really surprised by it. I was really surprised by it. Yeah. So, so let's let's give some ratings. Are we are we both comfortable saying that out of all of let's give the highest and the worst out of all of the out of all of the landmarks the Star Spring is the worst and the Arena or I'm sorry Star Spring is the best and Arena is mm -hmm. the worst. Yes. Out of the landmarks, I, I, Star Spring best, Arena worst. Yes, that's how I would uh, how I would assign it. Yes. Okay, so the, if we're going to do a short topic and decide what level they are, Star Springs best, Arena worst, then uh, I'm going to say I think that the next, like right below Star Spring, is the Slaughter Docks. Do you think that's true? Is uh, it better than Howling Abyss or Vaults? I think that Slaughter Docks is. I think it is really good. You know, I, I guess strictly because we see so much. Um, The thing is, like, deep is so linear that everyone just kind of assumes it's a thing and nobody really tinkers with it that all that much, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And so I don't have a great read on what people's general opinion is on Slaughter Docs, but I think even just looking at the raw power, like, I'd be willing to put that, yeah, as the second best after Star Spring. Okay, well... Although I, I like Howling Abyss... You know, and I like what Howling Abyss does uh, for the game for failure. But I guess, yeah, Slaughter Docs is just very efficient. It's, I mean, it, it, it allows you to have delayed um, value. But it and flips just, the board the turn that it goes to. Like, I think that's the biggest thing about Slaughter Docs is it accelerates your game plan. And then once you do hit deep, it automatically flips the board. You don't have to put stuff down and hope they can't respond to it. You already have a board flip. Like, if you have well, two Slaughter Docs in place and you get two creatures that already have deep activated on them um, mm -hmm. on the turn that it goes off, like, it, it auto flips the board for you before you have to get Nautilus or anything else on the board. Your opponent really can't do anything about that board flip unless they've ah. removed oh wow oh, god. god bless you um unless yeah. they've removed that's the the number one thing you want in a podcast unless they want to have yeah so i think slaughter docs is good just simply because it flips the board it's, for deep the turn it goes deep well and it's not and this is the biggest thing about it genuinely is that it isn't um like a dead card after you hit deep like so many other cards that help support the toss. So it does two things in that respect, you know, um, which is, like I said, best part of the, of that def like definitively by far and away. 
So okay, so we have Star Spring, Slaughter Docks, Arenas at the bottom. What is next? I'll let you make the you make the suggestion. Is it Piltover? Is it uh, Vaults? Or is it the Howling Abyss? It's, it's the Howling Abyss. Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah, so I, I think uh, Howling Abyss is third. Um, again, you know, it, it might be if if Railyard didn't also have War Mothers and Feel the Rush, it probably would be one of the meta ways to play. I mean, I guess people do play it, but I do think it kind of lags behind those other two. Um, but I, I, I think, um, I think that the Howling Abyss. I have a hard time remembering that card's name. Uh, I think that the Howling Abyss is good enough, even though it may not be like clutching it or like carrying an archetype necessarily. It does enable cool archetypes, and it does it pretty decently. Um, it's just competing with so many other late game win conditions in Freljord that maybe it doesn't, maybe it feels not as good as it actually is. Yeah, I think that Howling Abyss is firmly in third for me as well. Um, mm. And I'm going to, I don't know what to choose here because, you know, you have Vaults and Piltover next. So you have the University and Vaults. And I think that both of them are, neither of them are great, right? They both are really niche in very specific decks. Um, they're both five mana. And I am, so I sort of have the edge to put on Vaults to say that it's Starspring, Docks, abyss vaults simply because mm -hmm. i have played the most vaults and i haven't played university um so i could be wrong about that but i just feel like university has one very niche deck i think there's at least two decks that make vaults playable i think that's um trindamir anivia and then i have also seen um a hecarim deck that runs the 8-8 chick that has rally whenever she comes down and tough so it goes hecarim and then it goes into um what's his uh rekindler and then it goes into her um and i've seen that go off in fact i got beat by it today and i think that there maybe is some room for experimentation so my tendency is to go vaults but do you think it's piltover the the university or do you think it's vaults uh, this is where i i really don't feel like i can i can say because i have never played uh the Pilt university piltover nor have it had it played against me mm -hmm. not once okay uh so i'm i'm leaning towards vaults the issue with vaults is that right now the options with it are extremely limited um it's clearly a rekindler based like supporting thing yeah and i think unfortunately like there is also there are like other ways to play rekindler like rekindler doesn't need vaults vaults but all. vaults needs rekindler and vaults is also a card i would definitely look at vaults as a future like a card that's going to scale better with more options it, it just the issue is it, it's a little expensive for you know it comes down a little late i think it i think also the arena could both stand to have mana cost reductions um like i think both of them could go i th i think i think vaults could go down to four i think the arena could go down to three i really do mm. um and not be busted um or maybe if it is busted oh well like it gives noxus a different way to play um <laughs> please give me something please. else other than swain <laughs> give me something um, other than swain although it should be noted i i think you know um arena is has some cool ways to play it with like frostbite and stuff there's just better ways to play frostbite so you just need a way you just need to incentivize people to build a deck around it instead of like shove it into a deck that would be better with a different tech card right that's what the arena is it's not that the arena can't be good it's just that it's not there's nothing it does strictly better than other things right now um whether that be coming down in terms of timing whether that be the efficiency of the card once it is down 
Um, it's just not, it's just very, such a huge tempo loss for such a difficult to manage effect. The, the, the arena's effect can be strong, but you have to build your deck around it and you have to actively manage it every turn to control it, you know, to make sure you're hitting what you want to hit with what you want to be hitting it with, you know? Um, I think when it comes to like vaults, like vaults clearly, uh, you know, can do some really disgusting things. But again, it comes at a big cost. Granted, it's in a faction that can support that loss of tempo with all of their healing and their control effects and stuff like that. It does feel very shoehorned into like a certain way to play it where like because there's not enough options with either summon effects as opposed to play effects or um, last breath effects, like those options are so few and far between. There's actually very few last breath cards in this game right now, which is a shame because I've always been a huge fan uh, of both like Death Rattle and Hearthstone. I love Death Rattle Hunter, um, and of course, Last Breath uh, in Tessel, the Last Gasp in Tessel. There were so many cool ways to play Last Gasp cards. Um, I, I just like to see, or not even necessarily like to see, I mean, I would, but I think that. Inevitably, more of those cards will come into play. Shadow Isles is a natural fit, so I think that they will put more Last Breath cards in Shadow Isles. I think when it comes to if there ever becomes like a really powerful like um, eight or nine or ten that has a on summon effect as opposed to a um, as opposed to like a play effect, like a Riptide Rex level card that was a summon as opposed to a play, um, that would be where vaults could really run away with, mm -hmm. with the game so um i think vaults gets placed over um piltover, piltover because of the upward potential mm -hmm. of the card and, and piltover is all that it's going to be like it's never going to exactly. get any better than what it is piltover it's probably get any better yeah it's probably it's probably it may be good now and may even be slightly better than vaults now but it, it doesn't have that same potential yeah yeah i completely agree. so okay so here's we're going to close out this section but it, 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 our rating is this star spring first slaughter docks second the howling abyss third vaults of helia fourth um the university of piltover fifth and last but not least noxaria nox what how do you nox nox cryo nox cryo arena is the last one in sixth and we will have yep. a fuller discussion about landmarks and what we think of them in a large topic discussion once we get our ionia landmark after the next set drops mini set drops in well December. and targon oh targon star star springs i gotta imagine mount targon would be a thing at some point right yeah but right now i think we're only going to be getting uh the ionian one uh, in the next mini set and then we will get more um both commons and even you know commons and rares hopefully when we get the next faction and region drop in 2021 mm. um, but let's go ahead and jump over to our large topic discussion which dbn is going to be leading today yes uh also just time out on that real fast is uh is demacia gonna get a landmark too did they not have a landmark mm, no no, they don't. Okay, yeah. So there'll be two. There'll be a Demacian one, and there'll okay. be that. Yeah, there'll be there'll be one of each. Okay. I now, was just wondering. I, for I was like, for all I know, there's gonna be there's gonna be uh there was some someone said yeah Demacia isn't gonna get a landmark. Yeah. Okay. Know. So yeah, we are we are, we're getting a Demacia and an Ionia one. I just forgot the Demacia okay. didn't have one. Okay. For real now, the large the topic discussion. Cue the intro. Time for the main event. <laughs> Okay, now that we're here in the large topic discussion. Yes, the bigger, um, the bigger section. Yes, the bigger section. Uh, 
we're actually, you know, in many ways, it's actually a smaller topic discussion sure. of a bigger topic discussion. For so for for larger discussions, it's on the smaller side. Um, but we're doing kind of a more fun approach to it. We're attacking the uh, the discussion from a kind of. I guess it's not goofy necessarily, but I think it's just a more personalized angle. Um, so we really like doing like top five lists and stuff like that. Uh, and we asked the Patreon group for ideas for top five lists and they gave us a ton. But weirdly, yeah. the one that we settled on was not any of those. No, Although, not this time. No offense, not, not this no time. offense to our Patreons, but we're going to come back to some of those in the future, almost certainly. Um, but the one that we thought would be just the most fun for us to put together would be uh, picking our favorite card from each rarity. So you don't really think about the rarities too much in this game because they generally don't really matter because packs like don't exist. It only just matters how much crafting materials it takes. So they kind of feel arbitrary and and you don't really feel outside of champions like there's a distinct like reasoning for any of the cards being rare versus epic versus anything like that. At least I don't. I mean, there are even some card games like Gwent where the rarity like dictates how many copies you can play in a deck. You know, but in this mm, game, and Hearthstone's the same way, right? The legendary, uh, and, well, legendaries, yeah, legendaries. You can only play one of, and then uh, you, there was unique legendaries versus regular legendaries in Tessel as well. And the unique legendaries you could only get right. one of, and that was a rarity. Different, and thing. none of that matters in LOR. No, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, so I, on, I often, I often like don't even know what cards are. Uh, of what rarity except for champions um so we yes, uh, you know it was kind of a fun way to kind of look through and see like what rarity different cards are i think it could also be interesting at some point to do like not a, necessarily a crafting guide but like a you know hot cards to look out for like top commons to uh you know to build around or to craft or or things to look out for in your collection as a new player that might have to be something we do if we can get somebody on uh to talk about the new player experience but um for now we're each going to pick our favorite card from each rarity so mark we're going to start off with commons what is your favorite common it could be power level based it could be just the flavor of the card the mechanics the design anything like that whether it's in your favorite deck you know so tell me what is your favorite common card and why my favorite common card and uh and why i think is simply because it has hit the board the most um in in for me i scroll through the common cards and there are a couple that stuck out to me there, there would probably be a couple of honorable mentions in commons but for me my favorite common card in the game is Omen Hawk. Omen Hawk, the one mana, one, one frail yard <laughs> that gives plus one, plus one to the two top creatures in your deck. I think this card comes out as my, and I did, I think I ended up going with creatures on each one. I don't think I have a spell chosen, but Omen Hawk is my favorite. Um, I think really just maybe surely because of the amount of time that I've played him, he feels like comfort food to me. Not that I would eat him, but every time I play him, I'm a little bit more comforted. Um, and I think when I return to Frail Yord, Omenhawk almost goes in the first iteration of every Frail Yord deck that I play, as long as it's not a Shadow Isles control version. Um, so for me, Omenhawk, um, I know that uh, I know that that's not the most popular card in the world whenever it's strong in the meta because it can kind of be a little bit swingy. But I love the delayed uh, value generation that comes out of Omenhawk, um, and I love being able to play overstated minions afterwards and then get the chump blocker as well. 
12. Um, I think that Omenhawk is a really good one drop. I don't think it's overpowered at all, um, but I think it's a really good one drop. And uh, and I think my favorite common, I, I was just scrolling through to see, it's so weird because like most of mine are going to be Freljord, you know, related cards, you know, mm-hmm. Avaros and Sentry was kind of a, a close, um, was like a one that would probably get an honorable mention as well um, out of out of the commons. I'm just uh, doing a quick scroll through again just to remind myself of it's just like there's so many bad top end commons uh, in this game that yeah, <laughs> so that, true that I really didn't find any kind of towards the top end. There there are probably a couple of others. I, I think maybe the other ruthless raider simply because of artwork is also one of my favorite uh, common cards. That's the two mana three one with tough and um overwhelm from frail yard it, it's so funny because so many of my favorite cards are frail yard cards <laughs> yeah i mean uh, but makes sense but yeah the ruthless raider but i think i'm i'm gonna stick with omen hawk a close second is is probably ruthless raider um but i'm curious now dbn what is your favorite common card okay so i actually had the, the this is the one that i had the hardest time with was the commons uh i i instantly knew what my rare and my epic would be like right away and then commons and actually champion i had a really hard time picking out um i think for commons the issue is like a lot of them are very specialized and then if they're not they're like the like most overplayed cards in the game things like mystic shot tail cascade etc you know single combat like these are all like you know, faction defining cards that are commons, which is good, you know, but it also means like, I'm not going to pick them as my favorite, like, cause they're not my favorite. I see them all the freaking time. Right. Um, so I had to think about the cards that I just really love when I like playing, it feels good. Right. And like playing that card for these commons, something that like, usually they're kind of the foundation of the deck. When I play them, I feel good about it, right? Every time. Having in my deck, it's something that I look at and I, I consider frequently, but also something with a unique enough design that, you know, intrigues me when I play them. It's not just like, yeah, I'm playing it because the best option. It's like, oh, do I play this now? You know, thinking about that. And the card I decided on was Dreadway Deckhand. I love the Dreadway Deckhand. Powder kegs are so cool and they really make me think about how you know how and when i'm going to play uh the dreadway deckhand because you play it sometimes and you set it down and you're like okay this is great i'm just playing it for tempo but sometimes they immediately go and vulnerable and pull your powder kegs you're like okay do i want it for the tempo and if so am i okay with that powder keg just going away the powder keg in of itself can can be so strong with things like make it rain you know or uh you know I don't know. You guys know all the different stuff, but I mean, it really opens up a lot of opportunities and it really makes the opponent play around the keg so much. Um, it, it has been in one of my favorite lists, which was actually um, Twisted Fate uh, Gangplank uh, mid-range in the early days of Bilgewater, which was just, I mean, I was just winning left and right. And it wasn't something that a lot of other people were playing just because of the raw power of Powder Keg alongside a lot of the you know new, both Noxus uh, but also the uh, build water like removal stuff. Um, I was even running like the one mana, uh, what is that called? Parlay, which I like as well. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely been the uh, the one that stood out to me the most. I guess for like honorable mentions, since you got to do it, I'm I'm gonna get to do it. I'd probably say like Zenith Blade, 
is one that I look at a lot. And uh, I, I also really like the design on um, Pocket Aces. It's a shame that it doesn't see a little more play, but I, I liked all of those cards like Pocket Aces and Gotcha. Suit Up probably would have been one because I think Suit Up is just such a cool card and I like playing like Poro decks and stuff like that. But Pocket Aces too, I just really like the design of you get a great discount on it if you play it the same turn you draw. It kind of forces you uh, to like rethink your turns when you pick those in, up into your hand. Plus, I mean, I think it's cool because it's like it's pocket aces. You're drawing them. It's just it's just flavorful. So, yeah, uh, I think that that would probably be where I land within the realm of commons. So, yeah, that's my favorite common. What about rares for you, sir? What's your favorite rare? Yeah, this one was not as easy for me, um, but I did pick one, and I think I picked this one. It is because of power level. It is a little bit uh, because it's unique. It's the only card that really does what it does, um, and I have played a decent amount of it. My favorite rare card is Rekindler. Rekindler, of course, the seven mana 4-4 four, four that resummons the most powerful champion for from your side that it died that game um i really like rekindler because i think that rekindler just enables so many decks like since the beginning of lor there has been some type of reanimator rekindler deck right whether you were trying to reanimate leveled up garens or you were trying to reanimate anivias trying to reanimate hecarums um there's always been some lingering opportunity with rekindler and there's been times when rekindler was too strong and there's been times when he uh you know hasn't been played really at all but i think that rekindler is probably my favorite rare um I, you know i was looking through and seeing if there was any really strong honorable mentions and i'll be honest with you maybe like unnerfed Griz grizzled ranger uh was because it's just how how really crazy strong grizzled ranger was um and honestly i think that there's not a lot of other ones that i would say okay maybe maybe the honorable mention for me which isn't even good right now is shark chair um, and <laughs> I know that's two Shadow Isles cards, but when I first started playing the game, Hecarim was strong. I played Zed Hecarim Ephemerals with Shark Chariots in it and uh, Shepherds or whatever that that uh, buff your Ephemeral units. Yeah, Soul Shepherds. Soul Shepherds in that. And I think that uh, Shark Chariots, my honorable mention, not that it's good now, but I, I really love the Shark Chariot deck. And it made me buy the Shark Minion guy uh, that you can you know have on the side of your board, the Ghost Shark uh, there as well. So uh, my favorite rare rekindler, my honorable mention is going to be Shark Chariot. DBN, what about you? You know, the the the, the pool gets more narrow the, the higher rarity we go, of course. So there's less cards to choose from. But what is your favorite, uh, your favorite rare and why is it the smooth soloist? Oh my gosh, you are so far off. <laughs> uh, no, smooth, really smooth close. Soloist. Smooth solos can suck it. Uh, no, my favorite is easy. I mean, I still think ever since it's come out, I still, even though I don't play it all the time, it's still a card that I love to see hit the board, whether it's me or my opponent, because I think it changes the game uh, in an interesting way while not being oppressive. And it also, I think, is a good example of a card that focuses its design intention on the board. And that's Ember Maiden. I love Ember Maiden like holy crap it's such a cool cool card and the way that first off 
let's talk about like the flaming mohawk, like the mohawk with a little bit of the, <laughs> definitely cool art, definitely cool artwork with the with the uh, with the Ember Maiden. Yeah, but I think the thing that's so cool about it is that like it supports so many different archetypes. It's a bit of an enabler, but also has good value on its own. Um, but without being so crazy that uh, it's ever broken. Like if anything, it's maybe slightly under underpowered in the grand scheme of things because it starts hurting itself. But you can you can build your deck to play around that and to support Ember Maiden, you know, trashing everything every turn. In fact, I just played against a uh, Star Spring Ember Maiden deck, uh, I guess a couple days ago that was just so cool, and I was instantly like, I gotta play this thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love Ember Maiden for that reason. I just love the whirlwindy effects. I kind of wish there was a little bit more. I think, but I think Ember Maiden is a great example of a card that has that kind of effect on the board. And also because it hits the face, it really helps you with like Sidwani. It can help you with like Gangplank and stuff like that. So just a lot of just a lot of cool uh, ways to play Ember Maiden. I've played it with Swain too. I mean, just a great, great card. Uh, my honorable mentions: the, uh, rares. Rares are pretty tough. I mean, there's Rhymefang Wolf. Love that card. That is uh, a cool card. That was like on my radar, but I was like, I chose too many frail yord cards in my comments <laughs> to choose that card. I had to switch up factions a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's deny, which I know isn't necessarily a fun card, but it's definitely a card that like I think is really important in the game. That is it definitely yeah, is not my fa- not my favorite, but um, I think like I also want to highlight. Uh, let me let me hunt it down real uh, real fast here. Um, Oh, where'd it go? I, I just uh, just had it. Oh, suit up. I talked about that actually a little oh, bit interesting. Uh, when I was suit mentioning up. comments. I really just love the when drawn costs less. And I think suit up has just been really cool for me to experiment with like cheap guy decks and stuff like that. Never so I think played suit, suit up, up one time yet. Uh, I've played suit <laughs> up a good amount in both like spiders with poros, uh, all sorts of fun stuff with like elusive, like the, uh, the prowling cutthroat uh, is a really fun one to get suited up. Um, so just, yeah, some really cool stuff in the uh, rares for sure. But how about epics? What did you pick for your epic? Oh, let me swap over to epics real quick. Epics is interesting because in one breath, the epics are so bad. Um, <laughs> at least the high cost ones. At the same time, there are epics that are really good. Like, I feel like this, there was a time that Rasha was maybe my favorite. And of course, completely unplayable at this point, which is sad. Um, but I had ventured out of, this is the only out of the four favorites and really most of my even runner ups. This is the only one that adventured out of Freljord Shadow Isles for me. Um, take a quick guess. What faction do you think it is if it's not Freljord Shadow Isles? I think it's going to be... Hard choice. It's a hard choice. I know. Yeah, for you, if it's not Freljord or Shadow Isles, I'm going to guess that it is Ionia. It is Ionia. It is Ionia. And my favorite rare, or my favorite Can I guess epic which card... one? Yeah, go ahead. Try and guess it without looking at the stream. Uh, I think it's going to be Eye of the Dragon. It is Eye of the Dragon. My, Nailed it! Oh, my god! You got it, dude. You got it. My favorite Let's epic go. card is Eye of the Dragon. I think Eye of the Dragon is so fun. 
It's so creative. It did so much to make some of these Lee Sin and different decks go. Um, I love Eye of the Dragon out of all of sort of like the spell focused, um, you know, companion cards, unit cards that come out in uh, in Ionia. I think Eye of the Dragon is just the most elegant. Um, and it's so funny because it's just a two mana one three. Like there's nothing ultra impressive about it, but it's really satisfying to get the dragon dragonlings um it's really off of it it's it's really really satisfying to sort of make the eye of the dragon go there are some times when it's like you know towards the end of the game it's not really great but it's rarely a disappointing draw as well uh, i think that it's the only card that i really like with a tune on it as well and i think that a tune ability just does push it over the edge for me and make it really strong you know i look through the epics there's there's probably a couple of honorable mentions from epics like avaros and hearthguard has always been a card that i've really liked and looked for opportunities because i really do like the deck buffing in this game and so um and i also thought you know going along with deck buffing um the tusk raider is another one that's like i really like the tusk raider because i really liked playing sejuani sort of in the bilge water era of this game um i really like playing ash sejuani was one of my favorite decks and like i always kept a tusk raider at the top end so there's a couple of cards in there kind of from the faction that we all know that i like the most liking frailure the most um that i really like uh there there's probably others you know that that i enjoy that are epics but eye of the dragon comes in first for me um how about you dbn what is your favorite epic card well, so you're right. There's not like a, I mean, the epic pool is kind of small. It, it, there's um, not a ton of epics. No, but the thing is, I instantly knew. I, I always knew. It is actually my favorite card in the game, period. Um, Legion and, veteran. That's my guess. Uh, no, I'm just joking. No. <laughs> you didn't even know what that was. <laughs> uh, I had to check. <laughs> no, my favorite uh, epic card and probably my favorite card in the game is the Undying. Oh, really? Oh, that's surprising. Yep. That's not what I would have guessed. I adore The Undying. I've enjoyed it for a long time, and there's more ways to play it now than ever before. Um, there's so many great cards that can combo with it. Ever since the change to like you being able to replace things off of your board, The Undying has become so much more viable because that's if true. you somehow end up with extra copies and stuff like that, you can put them down, attack with them, and then if you need to replace them for something that can block, you can do that. And the thing is, is that like, I have played Undying in like four or five different lists ranging from like aggro to mid-range to even like a weird Nox Cry Arena control deck that wasn't that good, but it was still fun. Um, the Undying has so many ways to play around it, and it's just a... it. I'm not going to say it's like a payoff card, but it, it serves both the role of like payoff and enabler for some of the coolest cards uh, in Shadow Isles. I'm talking like Glimpse Beyond, Ethereal mm -hmm. Remitter, Ancient Crocolisk. I mean, these are the cards that you want to play as like enablers, you know, but when you kill and dying, it, it helps you too. Right, so it both enables them by removing the true cost of the card, while also you know getting stronger and stronger every game. Uh, every time you you 
blow it up. It can create so much weird situations for your opponent. Like, well, I can't block this because then it'll die and get bigger, but I also can't let the damage through. It's just hilarious to watch opponents try to dance around the undying, letting this little, you know, three or four or five attack guy get through. And if they sit around and avoid it for too long, their health gets low and they have to start blocking it. So yeah. Oh gosh. I just, I really do like the undying a heck of a lot. Um, he Especially like really oblivious to play against really awkward to play yeah. against. Oblivious Islander into Undying is my absolute favorite one-two play in the entire game. People think, oh, obli- like Oblivious Islander into Curse Keeper, Curse Keeper to Ravenous Butcher. Nah, give me Oblivious Islander into the Undying any day of the week. I yeah, love it. Yeah, like a two-one into basically a three-three. Like that's really strong. Yeah, uh, yeah, it just gets you off. It just gets you off on the right note. It allows you to play it under curve. Um, like you'll start turn three with a three three, uh, and then you can immediately play like a blighted uh, caretaker or something like that. It's so yeah great. on it again. Yeah, very yeah. strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for honorable mention, like Eye of the Dragon is a definitely a consideration. I like that pick from you. Uh, recently, I have been enjoying Star Spring. I actually, I know everybody hates on Star Spring, and I don't like the win the game part, but I love the healing damage allies part. I said that from the get go. I really like things that support you building a board and and trying to, uh, you know, care. I mean, again, it all comes down to my philosophy about this game, which is the game is at its best when you care about the board, and Star Spring is a card that really. A cares about helps the board, you. That's for sure. It cares about the board. It helps you want to build in that direction, and it forces your opponent to focus more energy on that too. Um, so I like that. Uh, Cato, the arm was one that uh, uh, was mentioned. Uh, my that's one of my dad's favorite epics. That's what he said. Uh, he likes. I think Devour of the Depths is a great deep card that's just very strong and kind of again that's a big payoff card. Uh, for you and just from a purely like weird meme perspective uh, <laughs> I'm also a, a, a pretty big fan of uh, Overgrown Snapvine even though it's kind of bad yeah sure you know what I just realized that this main segment is not your favorite cards from each rarity this is your favorite creatures from each rarity uh, we yeah, all creatures because we can do favorite we... spells for another segment now that we, I suppose we can, yeah. I mean, I, I did like all of my runner ups were like, like most of my run ups were spells. Like, my runner up for like, um, like you missed this, uh, but my runner up for common was uh, Zenith Blade. Oh, yeah, that is a really uh, good card in common. And uh, also, um, oh, what's I can't remember it now. Uh, uh, not pick a card, um, Pocket Aces, uh, Pocket Aces. Pocket I really aces. like Pocket Aces, yeah, Pocket aces yeah. Is a cool card too. Um, and even rare, like troll chant was, uh, or for common troll chant was another one that I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some great spells, but you're right. We can totally do our favorite spells from each segment. Yeah. Um, and since now that we're at champions and there are no spell champions to my knowledge, not yet. uh, go ahead. I mean, this is interesting. I feel like I know that what champion you're going to pick, but I'm willing to be surprised. Yeah, so mine sort of goes between two, and they've been two of my favorite champions. 
um, from the beginning of the game and continue to be two of my favorite champions. You know, there's probably realistically maybe three in this pool that I could have gone with, um, even though I haven't been playing a ton of them lately. My favorite, cha uh, let me give you my two runner-ups first and then see if you can guess sure. the, the sure, one. Sure. My two runner-ups are Sejuani um, because I love Sejuani. think that she's a really powerful and fun card. That being said, I've always sort of wanted to play as a mid-game bruiser um, and not necessarily for her level up, which is probably where she's most powerful is sort of like Teemo Sejuani. Um, but Sejuani was one of my favorite champions from LOL and is one of my favorite cards in LOR. Lux is my other runner-up, one of my all-time favorite cards in uh, because I love sort of the build around her. Sort of like my in my times playing Mage Seeker are some of my fondest memories of, of LOR. And so Lux Mage Seeker was a really fun deck. I think that Lux is a truly creative build around champion that isn't broken um, that you can do a lot of really fun stuff with and I love playing Lux in slightly more mid-rangey lists. I didn't really like her in Lux Karma even though that was strong for a season. I definitely prefer Lux in more of like a uh, a deck that runs a split between spells and creatures and things. And so what do you think my my favorite? I mean, it should be pretty clear, I would think, at this point, what my favorite oh, champ it, is. It, come on. I wouldn't be a good co-host if I didn't say Ash. Yes, Ash is my favorite champion in the game. Um, I love Ash because she is a combo in her in your hand. Like she's a combo in and of herself. And um, winning games on Ash combo is so, so satisfying to me. Frost, you know, frost shocking or what is it? Frost biting your entire opponent's board, attacking with Ash and a full board of frail yard buffed up units to end your opponent's life you know, either from 20 or close to 20 in one turn while you've been fighting back on board and taking trades and, and tricking trades with frostbite abilities, the burst speed of your frostbite stuff that you get to team up with Ash is so much fun. I've loved most every iteration of Ash that I've played, um, and I continue to love Ash. She is a build-around card. You can't just toss her in a deck like you can some of these other champions. You know, MF can kind of be tossed in a deck in a lot of different decks. You know, a lot of these cards really can. Like, not all of them are complete build around. Ash is definitely a build around champion, but I find her as a cheap build around. You can actually build around uh, Ash and still run another package alongside of her, which is something that I love, which is why I love this new Ezreal Ash deck because I can run a lot of the Ezreal package and next to it, I can run the Ash package and then I still have enough room because they complement each other enough to be able to play the Howling Abyss and also run that late game option to grind out my opponent. So Ash is definitely my favorite champion in the game. Um, and DBN, I, I'm kind of curious to know what direction you went with choosing yours. So do the same thing. Let me know what your runner-ups are and let me see if I can choose your favorite champion. Yeah, you know, I have uh, like three runner-ups, which I'm just like weirdly pulled between. Um, okay. and, and for, for kind of different reasons, I guess from a, from a most fun to play perspective, uh, I I would have to go well for the most fun to play perspective. It would eliminate Braum because he's not um, fun to play. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, it's not that he's not fun to play. You just have to commit so much to playing him that it starts really like you start feeling like weird about like is this really worth it? But I really love Braum thematically. I love his new level up. 
or his not his new level, his new rework. I mean, uh-huh. I, I like Braum and I think he's a decent, maybe underrated uh, champion, if only because if they don't have the answer, he will just run away with the game eventually. Um, you know, but I got to say, it's, he is one that I find, uh, I think I have to eliminate him from the discussion because uh, he does require such a commitment in deck building, uh, at least now that he does has back to zero uh, attack. And he is a pain to play against. Uh, but I just love the guy. I love his big mustache, you know. And, uh, Quite a mustache. All, yeah, he's just a, a huge amount of fun. Um, so that brings us down to, from a gameplay uh, perspective, what my, my favorites are. And the two runner-ups are Callista and Elise. Uh, that is two- shocking to me. My two Shadow Isles ladies uh, are my uh, my two runner-ups. Uh, why do you? Why is it shocking? I didn't even know you played Elise like, ever. I. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so I I played. I, the thing is, is that like I think I look at all these these like characters, and I'm like, who is it that I like keep going back to? Okay. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where I, I approach it because like, here's the thing. Like I, I would have said early on, like the first three or four months of the game, I would have said probably like Yasuo, right? Yeah. And I like Yasuo, but I realize more and more, I like the idea of Yasuo more than I like actually playing him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I like, that. and I like the voice actor of Yasuo more than I actually <laughs> like the, uh, the, the card itself. Um, and I'm not saying I don't like playing Yasuo decks, but you know, at a certain point I I've gotten to, to the to place now where I don't like LOR decks that rely too heavily on a champion because then you'll run into games where if you don't draw them, you just lose a, a sad, pathetic game because you didn't draw the champion. That's what Yasuo is. You have to have find him, you know? Um, and you know, I, I don't consider myself the luckiest top decker. So I, I like decks with a lot of redundancy in them. Um, which means that the three champions that I've picked here are ones that um are really complementary, but they aren't really okay, like I have um, my guess. They aren't really like game winners. So Elise and Callista, I just love for the aggro perspective, but I keep coming back to spiders for Elise. I, I just like playing spiders, and it's one that like I've come up with like several different variants of spiders. And I right now I've been playing builds, but I just think Elise is one of those cards I don't don't care if it ever gets leveled up, but when it does, it's got a really fun animation, a cool voice line, and of course completely changes the game. And then Callista has like the coolest strategy once she's leveled up i adore Callista's leveled up form it is my favorite leveled up form in the entire game um so those are my runner-ups do you want to take your stab at what my favorite champ is i think just purely based on flexibility is it twisted fate it's twisted fate i got it see i'm a good co-host too you're a good co-host too (laughs) yeah twisted fate had to be my favorite champion for multiple reasons. Uh, it's just the raw flexibility of it is just how I like to play. I like to play very flexible decks. Um, he's just, he is the king uh, of uh, of the matchups where you just look at the matchup and you pick which one you want to play. He's never a dead card in hand. Uh, and his leveled up form can both be a nice upside uh, or you don't even have to worry about it. Sometimes you'll just take his, his play effect because his play effect is just that good. This is a card I expected to, I expected, TF to be nerfed at some point and it didn't and I'm glad it didn't because even at the time when everybody was talking about how busted TF was I was like yeah but 
his power is his flexibility. It isn't really his that he's power. that much more powerful. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you and can't so really I, take I, away his flexibility. It just destroys the card. It destroys the card, right. Um, and the leveled up form is one of the most, like, I mean, his animation is beautiful. The leveled up form is one of the most crazy, like, you know, uh, ways to play the game, too. But, of course, it requires a massive commitment to get leveled. I think it, you know, is one of those things where once you have that leveled form, it's great. But, of course, they can just kill it. He's still weak. I think it is maybe the most, from a gamer, game mechanics perspective, uh, and just a gamer perspective, the best champion, the best designed champion in the game. I think Twist of Fate is absolutely a benchmark for this game. And it is one of the things that makes me A, love Bilgewater, B, love this game, and C, come back and want to try to play again. And I, I even like when other people play Twisted Fate. I'm like, oh, sick. Yes, Twisted Fate. And how weird is that? When your opponent plays a champion, you go, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I don't know that I always get that same feeling. Sometimes I get the oh crap. I hope he doesn't have a bunch of draw in his hand. Um, but <laughs> TF is really cool, and it is yeah. one of the champions that both of us have played a pretty decent amount. Um, and uh, he he is a really he's a fun card. He really is. He's a really cool card. And and you're right. Like his his design is so unique. His design is so mm-hmm. unique. Like out of all, like he's kind of his own thing uh there there's actually a, a, some some more of that that's like in bilge like Tom kench actually is kind of similar to that like he's in so many ways kench is kind of his own thing too mm-hmm. but tf is even and, and you know what kind of reminds me almost of that a little bit is kind of uh i don't know heimerdinger kind of was that right because he created all of these unique turrets and there was like so much in in heimer which is why i loved heimer pre-nerf so much mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do love that pick and I, I agree. TF is one of the coolest cards in the game and one of the coolest champions. And it's, it's partly because you can commit to playing him as his own like win condition, but sometimes he's just a great support champ to put with other champs when you don't have a better idea. I mean, I think he's actually better in that situation. Just to be perfectly honest. He he may very well be. I mean, I've played him with Fizz, Ezreal, uh, I've played him weirdly. I played him with Callisto, though it wasn't that good. I mean, it was an experiment. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've played him with, uh, with let's see, uh, Gangplank. I've played him with Sejuani. I've played him with Swain. I've played him with Vi. I've tried him with Vlad. That was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> all things, but I mean, a Vlad the, disaster. Yeah, but the point is, like, there's just a lot of ways him to support everything else and i guess it's not even truly supporting it's just giving you you know or attempting to give you an answer or an out that, that like changes based on the matchup i love that like because his you know red card can damage the enemy's face it can enable the plunder that is innate to uh the identity Bilge of Bilgewater. water mm-hmm. you know i like that it also has the ability to stun so you can play him with yasuo and then if your um, opponent's not doing anything, he's still not even bad to play because you can draw. You can always just draw a card off of it and get a spell mana. I mean, you basically says give you a mana and draw a card. Like, yeah, TF, awesome. My favorite champ by far. Heck yeah. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this. We are going to be doing every couple of episodes. We're going to do another like top five list or, um, you know, favorite card of this or that list or 
you know digging into creative ideas list hopefully um that helped and if you guys are in our discord let us know what your favorite card is of each rarity we would love to know that jump in the lor section and just let us know what is your favorite card of each rarity and and we can compare some of those now that you know what our favorite cards are of each rarity and you can even jump in and tell us why we're wrong about what our favorite cards are if you wish um i'm no i know there's probably some people who'd like to tell me why my favorite common shouldn't be uh shouldn't be omen hawk but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I tell you what, this has been a weird episode. Uh, if you're listening to this sort of post edit, you don't know this, but we had like weird, I had like weird things where I had to walk away from the computer twice during this episode because um, it's currently 1220 and my one-year-old is wide awake. Who knows why? Um, and uh, and so we do need to get out of here because it's awfully late for me and DBN and he has to work tomorrow and I have too much going on tomorrow. So let's work our way out of here and jump into some quick closing thoughts and i thought i was already perfect okay guys so closing thought is is really more about sort of some of this stuff that i'm reading about simplest like simplistic living and sort of some of the power in that um basically the the main concept that i uh, that my closing thought is about is that you want to own possessions and not have possessions own you and uh i've had too many times in life where sort of retail therapy is what i went to in order to take the edge off or not be stressed out where i would you know add something to my board game collection or buy another Dungeons and Dragons book or buy something in LOR to get like a new piece of something thematic and and ultimately none of those things ever ended up being all that satisfying to me um, in the end so my here, here here's my thing here here's my 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 real closing thought because you know you love forming the closing thought as you're as you're giving the closing thought that's the best way to do a closing thought is just this go to your stuff and just ask yourself is does this really make me happy if if i threw this thing away would i lose anything at all from my life if this thing wasn't if i didn't have this thing if i threw this thing out and if the answer is no like i wouldn't gain any then throw it away uh throw throw it away so that's my my closing thought is go unclutter your life and throw away some stuff go search through your stuff and throw i think this weekend we're having like a board game week and i'm gonna go through my collection and i'm gonna take a selection of games that i want to play on saturday and a selection and mail games. them to DBN. It's a selection of games I don't want to take home with me on Saturday. And anyone in the group who wants the game um, can take it. And I'm going to cut back my board game collection a little bit. Um, I think that's a, a step. And, on, and then I, you know what, I deleted Amazon off of my phone. That was another really healthy thing for me. I like literally, <laughs> I, it's like every couple of weeks, I'm like, just, just do something to your phone. Your phone is the devil. And and I'm pretty soon I'm going to have a phone that can take pictures and make phone calls and it's not going to be able to do anything else at all. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's almost there right now. Uh, yeah. DBN, do you have something in your life that if you were to like to just like toss it like you keeping it around for some reason but if you were to toss it you probably wouldn't make any difference to you i feel like as nerds we always we collect things that yeah really yeah. don't add any value to our life they're just things that we have <laughs> yeah i mean i can get that way sometimes about like video games where like i'll buy myself i mean i you know i i retail therapy is not really a thing for me like well that's good that's i am i am a at times overly frugal person um and at times like you know i'll buy i i will i will break down and buy some myself something i really want and that's good i think i i don't you know but um 
I think it's more time. I I have a like the tendency to cope with things through overscheduling or mm. like over committing to things I want to do, um, which is so bizarre because I used to be the opposite, uh, where I like would just like sit around and do nothing. Uh, and I like have I have made the active choice to, you know, since like, you know, in college, I just dealt with a little bit of like minor depression and, and anxiety and stuff like that over, you know, college stuff. And I was also playing ultimate Frisbee and just was a lot of pressure a lot of times um, and, you know, dealt with a couple big injuries and stuff like that, which really did not help that. Um, and so I had the tendency to when I was stressed up, just like disappear, you know. Mm, and mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. and 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 it really damaged my relationships with my friends and teammates and stuff like that and you know it, i was quite frankly you know pretty lucky um to have a g- day where i just decided to break out of that by basically inviting myself over to gibbles and bits's apartment to play rocket league you know with him and a couple other people and that kind of sparked this new like okay i if i want you know, fulfilling friendships and relationships, I need to, I need to put in more effort and I need to be willing to schedule time, even if I don't necessarily want to spend the time that way, even if I would really, you know, like to come home and just play destiny and farm, you know, locations and stuff like that. Even if that's kind of what my gut tells me I want, I need to like not listen to it. The problem is now I've gone a little too far that way where I don't always have enough time to myself (laughs) <laughs> and then I get stressed about it because I'm like, Ian, when are you going to find the time to play LOR or find the time to play Destiny or whatever? Because, you know, uh, you have scheduled all these things. Um, so I guess there's that. I don't know how related that is. It's not really like I'm not really I can't it's really. Like Marie separate, Kond- it's, it's a DBN closing thought. It's a perfect thing. Yeah. It's better, I, mean, I can't really recondo my my commitments to things. You know, <laughs> uh, does going climbing spark joy? Yes. All of these things do. But. Uh, you know, it is definitely something like for me, it's kind of that I, I do that thing where I not necessarily like say yes to everything, but like, I think of all these things I want to do. Oh, I want to play D and D and I want to learn to, I want to play more LOR and I want to play destiny. I also want to go climbing. I want to do stuff with my girlfriend. I want to go see my family. I just say all these things I want to do. And then I try to like jam all of them into a schedule because I think that that's going to make me happy. And I think that that's going to uh you know to make everyone else happy you know and then sometimes i'm like you can spread it out you you know you can you don't have to do everything right now so uh, that's that's really valuable wisdom because you know we can clutter our life with stuff but we can also clutter our life with obligations and in neither of those things do end up usually panning out to making us happy in the long run they just typically end up stressing us out and making us rush um, and, and over and, and burdening us. And so, yeah, that, that, that's great. That's, that's great advice too. Cause I, I need to learn that too. I need to remember that. Cause between like, there's never an end to my particular job. So if I want to work, I can always work. Um, and so, you know, trying to remember that is helpful. That, 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 that's very helpful. Well, let's get out of here, man. Uh, I see most of the people from our, uh, from our chat are on their way out. Everyone's getting some rest. We need to get some rest. Check out DBN on YouTube. I will put a link to it here in the show notes. If you want to check out the couple of LOR deck stuff that he's put up, check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the lift. It's in the show notes as well. I'm going to have DBN shoot me a message with his deck code. So if you want to try out his Vlad deck, you'll have the opportunity to, and I will put my Ezreal 
ash deck in the in the uh in the show description as well so uh you can check that out if you'd like to join our discord um we would love to have you join our discord and oh my goodness i forgot to say thank you to our patrons i want to say thank you to our patrons guys that we did have two new patrons this week and i completely forgot to say thank you to them and i don't want to miss doing that so um i will uh i'll probably go back well i will probably just thank them next week so patrons thank you guys so much and i'll make sure that we thank our patrons next week because i totally missed doing that this episode sorry guys it was just a little bit chaotic that's going to do it for this episode episode season two episode 40 our 40th episode covering lor which is incredible i think we're pretty far above our episodes covering tesla now i think we only had like 26 27 so we had 25 episodes on tesla and then like three or maybe four episodes between tesla and lor yeah, and now uh, 40 dude, LOR we, episodes. It's crazy. Well, and, and like, you know, we got to find something cool to do for episode 50. We do like 10 episodes away. That'll be somewhere around like Christmas, the beginning mm-hmm. of January. Like, yeah. yeah 50, our 50 favorite cards. That's February, what we'll do. <laughs> 50 favorite cards. We got to do something cool for the 50th if, episode if of you, season two if, for sure. If you guys have fun ideas for something we can do for our 50th episode of Legends Cast season two, uh, y'all can uh, let us know in the Discord. Yeah, let us know in the Discord for sure. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, once again, always be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.